With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. And watch the ships come in Oh yeah, like Paul Revere Keep it moving then I'm out I squinting from the glare On top of the state house No doubt, baby You know how we do Cause every time that we rhyme We shine just like the crew Okay, all the way from Mass Ave To Harvard Square It's clear The spirit of the city's everywhere and Canada originally wow. so 
Uh-huh. And, and were you, did you spend time there yourself? Um, I lived there until I was about 13, and oh, okay. my family decided to move me to South Florida. It was a nice. little bit of a change. <laughs> nice. Well, a cl- what town in, uh, in Canada? Kingston, Ontario. <clears throat> oh, okay. Was that near Toronto? It's near Toronto, yeah, right on the St. Lawrence River. Beautiful, beautiful country. Cold, but it beautiful. Is. Beautiful, <laughs> so you're nice and warm now. Well, the first thing I want to talk about, I'm on your, <clears throat> excuse me, on your Facebook page, and I see, uh, in my world, I will fight for my child and every child fighting a battle. I will make their voices mm-hmm. heard from the mountaintops. I will educate and bring awareness for these true warriors. I am the voice of an advocate did you write that? I did not write that. But when I read that, you know, all the hair on your body stands up. It's like, oh, that's what I want to say <clears throat> to the world. Absolutely. So, wow. Yeah. yeah. We've well, and you and I, you know, I did a little, voice. well, I did a little reading about you on your site and everything else. And I know we come from, um, I, I used to be a, an absolute disciple of the law of attraction. And now I, I think it has its place, but one, time, one thing that continually seems to be the truth of that law is that we do somehow, we may not attract, get everything that we try to manifest, but we certainly do get the people around us that we are vibrating in like, in like manner. <laughs> definitely, definitely we bring those people into our lives. So, you know, I, that's what I feel uh, is happening here because everything I read about what you want to do with kids and families, and uh, the, to me, when I read last night, the key word was freedom because that's a huge battle cry of mine right now. And so you want to talk about that, what you're trying to do? Yeah, I just, you know, we look at these these little children and as they're babies and growing up and they're really dependent upon us. And um, we forget sometimes that they are people and that they have choices as well. We may, as their parents, not like their choices. We may need to guide them in a certain way. But they do have choices of their own and they have feelings of their own that they don't exactly know how to express. So that our job as parents is not to be the authority and have them obey us but more to teach them and guide them into expressing themselves in an appropriate way for society. <laughs> I had to give you a tadar on that one. <laughs> it will give you a little what, another one. <laughs> and even a... So now that we know you and I absolutely a million million percent agree on that one. Tell me about all the resistance you get when you start talking like that. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, yeah. When people start to hear that, it's like, yeah, but you have to, you have to give them behavior management. And, well, of course you do. Yes, I'm, yes, you have to do that. And you also let them choose. You know, it's not always right. my way. Who says my way is the best way? And the funniest uh, The funniest part about it is um, this all changed for me five years ago when I had my son. I I have a daughter who's nine, and she's just an angel. 
Then I had my son <laughs> and everything I knew about kids and behavior management and it just flew out the window. I tell you, I knew nothing. <laughs> and he has taught me so much. And, yeah, they do, and don't I used they? to be that. It's, it's so amazing because I used to be that parent that, you know, I got all the behavior, um, the, the challenging behavior children in my classroom. And, um, I always got them because I could deal with them. I never knew what I was doing different than anybody else, but when my son came along and you have to deal with it 24 hours a day, I realized, you know, it's giving him the choice, letting him express himself the way he wants to. If uh, dinner's at 5 o'clock and he's not hungry at 5, he's hungry at 3, then really, is it that big of a deal to make him dinner at 3? Exactly. That's the way his body works. Exactly. What's, you know, and first of all, when you, as you know, as you resist anything, it only, inc- what resists, you know, the rest of that one. Persists. Persists. <laughs> so if you really want to make yourself miserable, resist like crazy, control like crazy, and you will have an awful life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And unfortunately, that's, I'm seeing it, you know, just in society in general, that we just mm-hmm. are, have brought up a, a whole generation that it just doesn't know how to make their own decisions, and they do right. look for the authority to tell them. And I think it's time. I think people are are kind of stepping outside that box and ready to make a change. I hope so, because it certainly isn't working out the way it is. Yeah, and everybody knows that. I don't think there's one person that doesn't feel the same way about, you know, just life, being in life in general, running the, the rat race, as they call it. Well, that's what I'm, I'm glad. You see, the segues are just fabulous here um, because, again, I focused in on that word because it's such a huge one, my passion, my battle cry, freedom, and you focused on, on that in, um, on your blog. And so you want to talk about that because it's not just the freedom of the kids, it's also freedom of the mothers, yeah, you know, freedom of moms, there's so much stigma for moms to follow this. I'm a perfect mom. I get dinner. I work a full-time job. I get dinner on the table. My house is always clean and the laundry is always put away. <laughs> and that's just sometimes not reality, and that's okay. You know, being open and honest that... You know, today wasn't a great day. Guess what? I yelled at my kid, and I really shouldn't have. I realized later. <laughs> but, you know, this, that's just life. You don't have to put exactly. up with God. So what do you now think? It, what I see, you know, in, in, in my life, and when I look back on my life, I see that, you know, people, <clears throat> you talked about the rat race and everything else, and you talk about society, and so many people buy into the, uh, the rat race. Mm. And they don't understand that they, I think, how can you teach a kid that he has choices if you don't understand that you have choices? Yeah, it all starts with you, you and your personal development. I know that's what happened for me. Um, Just over a year ago, two years ago, I started with the personal development and really looking at myself and what I had. And I was always taught, you are what you have, you know, so it's always the bigger car the bigger house, more, more stuff. My children didn't need, they don't need a thing. They've got everything because that shows them I love them. 
And right. then one day after I looked around, I said, what? I don't need any of this. All we're doing is working to pay our bills. I want to go on vacation with my kids and teach them all the different things of the, the world. That's what matters. So what, what caused this epiphany? Uh, you know, I, I, don't, I don't even know. It was, it was so funny. I do, it was my birthday, actually. It was my birthday, and I just stood in the middle of my house, and I said, great, I have this great big house. I own my own business. I have now completed every single goal I ever wanted to complete. Now what? <laughs> my life so I'm 36. Fantastic. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> and I just looked around going, oh, but I still can't go on vacation because all we do is work to pay the bills, to pay for the house and to pay for this and to pay for that and da, 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 da. And That's right. uh, so, I want to, I want to take my kids around the nation. Let's learn history. Great. Let's go to, you know, Gettysburg. Let's go to Sedona. Let's really be in the moment. Wow, there it is, right there. The word "be" rather than "have." Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. well, I mean, from what I'm hearing in the story, yes, it came at your birthday, but it also came from the realization that, you know, most of of the epiphanies come from the fact that we're in pain at the moment. And so, you know, you look around and you see, well, I've achieved this, this, and this, but look at the pain that it took or the work that it took or whatever it took and all of the time and the sacrifice and the things that were lost in order to get it. Yes, the time, the time away from your kids to make the business, you know, run the sacrifices that they've had to have just uh, I had a preschool. I opened a preschool in my house. So the sacrifices they needed to have to have all these other children in their house and they didn't have their mom. I was home. I was here, but I wasn't with them. Right. So, so all of a sudden you get this is you've accepted what so many people do, especially in our society. Well, all societies that we, they accept the mores and the, you know, the, the, the traditions and the customs. And, but, you know, in this one, unfortunately, it's all about the, the number. You're right. It's all about the money and, um, mm-hmm. and, and the possessions and the, the things and the stat, status and, and all of that. So, so you make the decision that, wow, you know, now you're going to break. So, and for all those moms that are out there listening and for the, you know, the teachers and all of the parents, not just the moms. So, you, you know, I think this is what's fantastic about your story is that you actually did it. You saw the, the folly of it all, and you just decide, hey, I'm going to change this. So then what happens? I actually made a decision uh, a year ago this month to close my doors. And I, I closed my business, not knowing what on earth I was going to do next, but it. all I knew was that I had to be there for my kids. My kids were not happy at all. And I needed to be around and teach them how to deal with their own emotions because it was I fantastically taught them the same patterns that I had been taught. <laughs> and as we all do, and as I started to realize my own behavior and start to change my own behavior, Um, I realized I really needed to spend more time with them and teach them that they can be happy. Life doesn't suck. 
We can make life. We have a choice here. We can do whatever we want. And stop making it about the money. <laughs> so, well, there's, there's so much here that I know and from my own personal uh, life and that I try to, you know, educate people, enlighten them. And, you know, you just meet with so much resistance. And really the bottom line is fear, isn't it? It really is. And, and it really was terrifying to close the door, um, not knowing where the next dollar was going to come from. Okay, well, we have all this stuff, so we can, we can sell off some of our stuff. We have this big house that I can't even keep up with cleaning and whatnot. It's ridiculous. So, you know, we sell your house and you start to downsize. And as you're looking around, you're simplifying your life. And you're going, well, I really don't need, you know, 523 pens. I really only need two. <laughs> Just stuff like that. You're yeah. pay- most people in America are paying over $100 for cable. And how much do you really watch TV or do you even need to be watching TV? Right. So we just started looking at, you know, things like that. And we're in the process actually of selling our house and and uh, getting into something smaller. Right. And yeah, well, you know, learning again, to live life. I always like to look for the whys and the principles and the hows. And so when you make this kind of decision, it was a decision to really take a bold leap from what everybody else does and also from what you were doing and what seemed to be the comfortable way. So, I mean, you have to have some kind of underlying, I don't know if you want to call it faith, belief, knowledge, trust. And so do you, you obviously had that, that you kind of sensed that, okay, I'm bold enough and I'm going to take – get rid of the fear, and I'm going to move ahead because I know that somehow, deep down, I know this is going to work. So what, what is that thing that makes you, help I you make the I move? think it was faith. I just had faith that if I did what I needed to do for my family, for myself, for my, it made me a better person, it made my kids a better person. I know that there are many people in the past year that thought I was completely crazy. Of course. <laughs> Of course they um, do. Yeah, I got a lot of flack. But um, now as they see it all coming back together and they see, you know, I'm starting to get out there, it's like, great, now I've got this. You see, uh, somebody mentioned to me the other day, you know, your kids have never been so happy as they have been in the past five months. Yep. Now I was only hoping it would have taken me five months. Apparently it took me a whole year. <laughs> but, right. um, you know, I just had faith it was all going to work out. I, you know, I said I'm an educated, hardworking person, and when we need the, the money, the money, then I will find it. I will do whatever it takes. If I have to clean houses, I'll clean houses. You know, right. it's... The, so it tell me then, but I've, I found a deeper magic, if you want to call it magic or whatever, than that, that somehow money materializes. Opportunities come. Yeah. They really do. You want to talk, you want to talk about that? <laughs> they really do. You know, it's, it's the funniest thing. You need something. And um, having a daycare, I had a ton of stuff. You want to talk about an overload of just stuff. So it, it, just to this day, if my wallet is out of cash, 
I have a message from Craigslist in my email saying somebody wants to buy something else. Yep. It's the funniest thing. Yep. You know, that's the, um, you know, I'm going to be so bold as to say the miracles that I've seen even in my life that, um, you know, I got caught. We all do. I mean, we, we believe so much and trust, <laughs> trust. We, we, um, blindly <laughs> believe the system that, you know, we've got to get out and we've got to work and we've got to work real hard and we've got to put in the time and we've got to rush and we've got to run and we've got to, like you say, set a goal, get another goal, acquire, get more, keep moving, 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 because that's, that's the American way and that's life. And then mm. down deep there's this voice telling you, you know, maybe this ain't right, you know. Uh, <laughs> you know, Why? <laughs> Uh, and, there and was a I voice think, so telling you, me, yeah. You know, they yeah, thought, this can't be it. <laughs> <laughs> this can't be it, really? <laughs> <laughs> and that's, now, I'm glad you talked about the voice. It was, uh, you know, last week I had Roxanne on, and it was interesting because we both talked about a book that we had. We had so much in common, it was really spooky. I mean, you know, on some of the uh, transcendental, <laughs> mystical things that we've both encountered. And one of the things that we had both read a book called uh, Writing Down Your Soul, Getting in Touch with the Voice Within. And that mm. voice has always been then there. And so, and obviously you were hearing hints of it that, you know, guided you to where you made the jump, the leap of faith. Yes. I did. Well, I heard many voices, but <laughs> in the past year I've been able to bring it down to only one, which is really great. <laughs> yeah, but, um, the one that the one that tells the truth. The one that tells the truth. What what is my purpose here? Yeah, you know, exactly. we all have a purpose. How do we make life? We're all here together, and what I, you know, one of the big things I realized is that we're all the same. We all have the same struggles and insecurities, and we're all the same. So learning that, nobody's better than you, nobody's worse than you. You know, all of our behavior is, is so, so typical. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're all, yeah, we're all playing the same game. We're all really doing the same story, which is, you know, in my opinion, we come here as what we really are, as amazingly powerful creatures. And we play this game of where it's all hidden from us. And we're all, you know, petrified and afraid, and we uh, react rather than pro procreate. And, uh, yeah. and and then all of a sudden, like you say, you, you run, you run, you run the race, and then you get these little signs like you did, and that I certainly did, that, wait a minute, this doesn't make any sense. You know, is this really what the purpose of all of this is, is just to keep running and running and not having time and, just acquiring things and then boom you know you say oh let me try another way and somehow it unfolds and that's really the magic like it's unfolding for you oh yeah and it's just magic because i you know you don't even know from one day to the next sometimes what what you're going to do but as, as you mentioned you just as the more the quieter i got and the more i listened to the voice inside me the more i knew what i was supposed to do and as I put it out there, I mean, I've just stumbled upon people, you know, person after person after person that, you know, like you, believes the same thing. Yep. So together, we can make a difference. Yep. You know, we do, um, you know, again, for those, I, I imagine that 
the people we're attracting to the show are the kind of people who are receptive to it. And hopefully we get somebody who isn't and that they start to say, you know, they come away from a program like this and say, wow, you know, I got to let me see, you know, boy, I, I have that same voice. <laughs> and rather than thinking <laughs> yeah. it's it's crazy, that that's the real that's the real me telling me what I want to do. And if I trust that and go with it, it'll all be fine. Yeah, yeah, those people that are going into work every single day waiting for Friday, you know? Yep. <laughs> and, and then the weekend Monday. comes and they're dreading Monday. <laughs> right, and they've only got two days to quote-unquote live, but they don't because they're doing all the errands and the chores and running around and nobody has any free time and they just go you know look at the look at the malls on the weekend they, you know i call them the temples you know the malls are yeah. our current day temples and so you work 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 all week and then you go spend on saturday and sunday thinking that that's going to take away some of the pain it's exactly the trap we you know we get caught in yeah for sure so now how do you take our message and our, our learning, our understanding of this, how do, you, <laughs> how do you sell this? How do you get it across? How do you touch <laughs> that nerve in people? And have you seen cases where, you know, you're seeing transformations in people? They are trusting you. They are making a difference. They are pulling away. I'm just starting to see people trust, trust in that. Um, like I said, you know, over the past year, year and a half, people have just thought, oh, my God, I don't know what's going on with this chick. Um, but now they're going, wow, now I get it. Now I see it. So I think people are starting to come around, and I've noticed whether I've attracted more and more people, you know, that way into my life. Um, I've just noticed so many more people, especially women, stepping through the fear and and going for what they love, you know, stop that job and and do what they really are passionate about. And the reality is we model that for our kids. Our kids are going to want to do what they're passionate about too. I'm laughing because, again, this is what my whole mission in life has been for some reason, <laughs> is to say to people, wake up. It's not like this. You know, be happy. Do what, follow your passion, even though, you know, the, the first thing they say, well, you'll never make money at it. How do you know? How do you know? And, you know, we're telling our kids, dream, dream big. You can be whatever you want to yep. be. Yep. Yeah, but go and to college. And then we're going into we're going yeah, go to college, beautiful. get into debt, and then take a job to try to pay it off the rest of your life. But don't don't yeah. do what I tell you. Do what I'm showing you. Yeah, yeah, because then the parents are going into their cubicle, you know, wishing for Friday, yeah. hating that Monday's coming. And our kids, are, they're smart. And they don't they follow know. what we say. They follow what we do. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. Exactly. So you... Um, so obviously the, you're the embodiment of what, you know, kudos to you because you had the courage to take the leap off the, off the cliff, you know, that big giant leap of faith, knowing that you mm. can trust that inner voice. So what do you say to people? What do you, how, what's your message? How do you tell all the people that are listening out there right now, uh, hey, you know, you can do this, what, and, and they start, you start to see that fear? I mean, it takes I did a lot of coaching. I had people, you know, that I, that I partnered myself with 
that when I thought the world was falling apart, you know, I could call them up. And just having those people that do encourage you and say, you can do it. You know, okay, well, what do we need to do today? And um, my biggest mission right now is getting out and doing a lot of speaking, trying to empower women to make the change so that their kids will see it, trying to empower the the early education system is what I focus on um, to make the change as well. Kids spend so many hours a day there that we need to see those teachers, you know, making changes as well. So right now a lot of speaking and consultations. (laughs) Right. Well, you know, you've just hit on a couple of points. First of all, let me remind people that the call-in number is 347-996-3903. Again, 347-996-3903. We're talking with Michelle Reynolds. And why don't you give your websites right now? My website is Michelle, M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E, dash Reynolds, R-E-Y-N-O-L-D-S, dot com. Great. And then you also have a blog. Do you have a blog, too? Yes, it's on my website. It's attached to my website. Mm -hmm. Okay, so so you, you, again, (laughs) first of all, (laughs) I... uh, People don't understand. You know, I, I I don't know why I'm as passionate about it as I am, but I'm extremely passionate about our society, what's become a society, what's happened to women, what's happened to men, what's happened to families, what's happened to the society as a whole. And, you know, I lived through the 60s. You know, I saw, um, quote, unquote, women's liberation, you know, hear me roar, Blah, 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 blah. And I, as a person who I guess always was struggling with this fact that, you know, it did took me later in life to find out my true calling, you know, because I believed everybody else, you know, the model that was set up, go to college, get the job, work the 40 years, you know, then retire, blah, blah, blah. And so mm-hmm. my thing, innate, deep down, my voice was always telling me, why do you, why would you want to go into those, one of those big buildings with all those cubicles and be locked up for eight to ten hours a day. Why? Mm, you know, why? and yet I saw, I saw and it, it was just insanity to me. I, I postponed it as long as I could by going to graduate school because I loved the freedom. I loved learning. I loved the freedom of being uh, with my friends. You know, you, yeah, you went to school 15 hours and maybe you worked another 20 to 30 studying, but, you know, you had free time. You were fun. Life was play. And then to see this mass movement, mass movement, mm. we're going to have careers. And I'm like, why? Why? <laughs> I want to stay and home. <laughs> and to be locked inside our, our whole, I mean, our earth is amazing. It's about being outside and being in nature. Yeah. In my eyes. And, you know, <laughs> and, and there was this, it, it seemed like this whole you, you, this mass movement, mass, everybody bought what a couple of people were saying, what they sold mm-hmm. to them, and they blindly followed without thinking, and then became disciples of it, preaching to those who made the decisions, you know, because my wife stayed home and brought up the kids, and it was like, you always got this condescending, oh, you stay home. Mm. 
yeah. and, I'm, and, I'm, and I was just I always revolted. I always was a, an advocate for the opposite. And I would always, a warrior, talk to, trying to say, what are you doing? What are you doing to your kids? Because you know something? I grew up in an inner city where we were definitely poor. We were below average income. <clears throat> and we didn't have a lot of times. We, had every, we, we were richer than most because we had food to eat. But there were times when there was no heat. There was times when you know, it was really rough. There was never a new car, blah, blah, blah. And, but guess what? You know, I had a mother and a grandmother who were always there when I walked through the door at 3 o'clock. Mm. And that's what yeah. I ran home to, knowing, and everybody wore house dresses in those days. I went in there looking for those house dresses because I saw that, and it was this feeling of security. And the first words out of it, what's for supper? Of course, and you got a nice home-cooked meal. <laughs> and, and everybody so quickly. <laughs> everybody sat down. Yes. And eight, you were required, as we talked about this last week on the show, and you know, I'm sure mm-hmm. this is one of the things you talk about with Back to Basics. So I looked at a whole, a whole generation of women buying into it blindly. Not, nobody told them about the 40 no. to 60 hour work weeks. Nobody told them about all that time away from their kids. Nobody told them the cost of this decision to have, quote, unquote, the career. And even today, the ones who went through it defended. Oh, yeah, but I had my career. But what do you got now? I know so many women now my age who are absolutely all alone. And I look at them and go, I go, so how did it work out for you? Yeah, how did that work for you? And, you know, one of the most interesting things um, that I've learned over the past two years with this whole leap is I was one of those women. And it was like, what do you mean do you stay home with your kids? What do you do all day? And I worked with kids, so I thought the judgment. And so in the last two, you know, last two years going through all of this, I swear every, I have everything in my life I have ever judged about anybody I have now experienced, I believe. (laughs) I've learned to experience it. Now I go, now I understand why you stay home with your kids. Now I see what you were doing. It's called L O V E. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yep. And it takes time and it takes effort. And you can't do it in the two hours that you're home between work, dinner, homework, and bedtime. Can you imagine? And maybe an extracurricular activity. (laughs) Yeah, imagine racing all day long to spend an hour with your kids. What? Mm -hmm. An hour. An hour. Why did you have them? Mm-hmm. Why did you have them? Why? And you don't even sit down to dinner with them? Why? What, 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 what possessed you to do that? Did you just blindly, you, maybe, you, maybe they'd be better off than you better if that never happened. And, you know, it's, I think it's that that's the model that we just followed. That's just the way it was. And, yeah, and everybody bought into it. You know, when people get it, yeah. what, you know, what is your thing about this? I see my thing about it because every one of us has to live with the consequences of that movement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everybody. And again, got, we're raising a society of children that don't know how to express themselves. They don't know how to make choices. They're in, um, they're in daycare. They're in school. They're in after school where they're told exactly what they're supposed to do when they're supposed to do it. They don't have a choice in the majority of them. 
They don't know how to make choices for themselves. Well, you know, you said you quit. Why don't you tell us about that? You quit teaching. I quit teaching. I did. I um, I had taught for ten years in the same at the same school, and I actually had worked aftercare many years before that at the same school. And I always had the struggling. I did first grade and second grade, and I always took the the struggling students. I always had the behavior, the challenging behavior children. I had the ESE kids, and um, one year, I was able to do whatever I wanted with them, and it was the most amazing year of my life. The strides that these children made were amazing, and I put my, my whole heart and soul into it. And the next year, they looked at me and said, no, we can't do that again. Because <laughs> they get paid money Bingo. for these kids. If they don't make the grade, the school actually gets paid money. And so it just shattered. It shattered me. And and down here in Florida, you're not allowed, you know, if it's math time during that segment, you better be teaching math. You know, I don't care if little Johnny over there, you know, hasn't eaten in three days and he's having a meltdown. You better not be giving him snack because it's math time. You'll be written up. And, um I said, I'm not doing this. You're not giving these kids what they want. You're not giving them what they need. You're telling me how to teach them when you're not even in here. And I'm not doing it. It's not good for them, and I'm not doing this anymore. And well, I resigned. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Let, me, let me get it. Let me get it. Here we go. Nothing, nothing. I'm beaming. I'm beaming. So what did you do? What were the things that you did that you that you saw the improvements, the strides? Um, I actually had access to um I had access to help. So there were two teachers in the room for reading and two teachers in the room for math. We took away science, social studies was all done through books and through <laughs> actually my very favorite show, Blue's Clues. Um, yep. I don't know if you've ever seen that show, but that was what we would, we would watch that during snack, and I would pause it. You know, they ask a lot of, of questions. They really get them thinking. There's a lot yep. of science in that show, and so I would stop it. We'd have, they're eating their snack. We're having conversation. Um, I actually reached out to the Kiwanis Club in, in our community who donated over $2,000 um, for different curriculum because these children were so low that I couldn't use the first grade stuff the school had given me. I needed to go back to preschool and up and get them from a preschool level to a first grade level. So it needed to be quick. And um, I needed different materials, and, and the Kiwanis Club stepped up. They were absolutely amazing. We, we did uh, a lot of reading, writing, and math with our focus, along with talking. And my kids knew that not every kid walks at the same pace. So do not, don't tell me that so-and-so is in the low group. That was a really... Um, I was really strict on that, that nobody in this class is low or dumb or this or that. We are all just trying to 
get better at what we're doing. No baby gets up and walks at the same time. I said, you can't keep up with me with my strides, can you? That you don't talk about somebody else in their reading. And they were just so encouraging of each other. It was amazing. Wow. You're right. You know, the model, I go into talk to inner city schools, and when I go back, I see the folly of it. You know, it's such a, a jolt for me to um, to see, to you know, from my life, you know, being as free as I want to be, and then to go into a place where everybody's sitting in these hard chairs, which are now too small because most of the kids are overweight, and they're, they're confining, mm-hmm. and they sit in these rows, and they've got to be quiet, and they got to be, and it's like, oh, my, the torture, the torture. Oh, yeah. These kids are in pain. They, they are in pain all day long. Yes. You know, what adult could sit in those chairs all day long? We're talking almost six, was it seven, six to seven hours. And even when they go to lunch, they're not allowed to talk. <laughs> right. It, it's at, they might have 15 minutes of recess, and I don't know, different parts of the country are different. Here in Florida, it has to be teacher-conducted recess now. It has to be the teacher telling them, again, what to do. Not allowed to use their own brains and imaginations. And more and more, you know, it's the more that gets out of, the more and more that the kids are out of control because the kids have been controlled. And, you know, again, what resists persists. The more they're That's tightening right. up. So, so it's, it's, it's not unlike the Gestapo. It's not unlike any ism. It's not like not, unlike Nazism or whatever. And, you know, so we're going to control, we're going to push harder, we're going to, you know, and all that does is just create more and more unrest, more and more, uh, you know, unhappiness, more and more hate. And, you know, and how can you, so what is, how do you see the institutions, the people, the masses getting it? I mean, how how is that going to happen? Oh, boy. Um. I'm not quite sure yet. <laughs> I just don't know. I think the more of of us that come together that have the same vision and voice and ideas and um like I know my big my big goal if I could do anything anything I had all the money in the world I I would create a community that had a school and yep. see if it got picked up to be, you know, to be franchised or around. It's, and I want to focus on early education because if we can get that generation, I, I believe it will filter over into our elementary and our secondary education. That would be my Absolutely. hope. Well, you know, we're fighting, we're fighting bureaucracy. We're fighting tradition. We're fighting – it's in, you know, all the power. You know, <laughs> well, first of all, let me do it. I think I say it every show. When I do speak to teachers, I, I stumble. I hated school. I hated – I mean, I was disciplined because I went to the parochial schools and the nuns walked around and, and whacked you with a stick. You know, I mean, there was mm-hmm. corporal punishment. There was, there was, let me just put it this way. There was violence. In, mm-hmm. in the grammar schools, and then it got worse when I went to parochial high school because then they had these big brothers who were literally bigger than all of us, and they used their fists, you know, and sticks to beat us. And you know, <laughs> you know, there was one of the, the happiest day of my life was graduating from high school. I hated that place, 
And then I even went on to a college where, they, you know, there was a dress code, and it had this bigger guy. He was like six foot nine, and if you were walking around campus without that suit and coat and tie, if you had a sweater and a tie, he'd literally grab you, physically grab you, and, sh- and rough you up. So, you know, <laughs> imagine education being like that. And and so, you know, how you know if it wasn't for college, I would have never read another book in my life. I mean, I had three hours of homework every night. It was always in things I didn't like to study, et cetera. And I didn't understand learning could be fun until I started reading books that were fun, but uh, as mm-hmm. opposed to a grade. So the whole system is just locked in and, and done. And people people are buying it. That the part that is is this acceptance that it's dogma, that it's the way it is, and that's the way it's always been, and that's the way it has to be. So and that's you're why right. shows like this are so important. Getting the word out, whether it's you know, over over a blog talk radio or social media or standing up in front of just a few people. Um, you know, our voices need to be heard and we need to gather as a community and a village. Well I wanna to say to all the women out there that I am the ultimate feminist because I know of no more powerful creature than a woman. From a man's standpoint, <laughs> a woman, when she sets her mind and her body and her spirit and her soul to it, and let's face it, let's just really give for all of the talk, for all of the shifting of the, what women assume to be the power of men because they, maybe they own the businesses or whatever. I'm sorry. <laughs> all societies have been molded by women. The women mm. set the mores and the cultures and the traditions, the etiquette, the societal. They they are the ones. Men are totally out of control. Men, if left to their own devices, would all be <laughs> drinking beer and fishing and watching sports. I know, and they really would. Would be as gross, and, and I'm a male telling you this, the only thing that kept men in check for centuries was the female. It was the female who decided how the house would be decorated. It was the female who decided how that, what time dinner was, what would be for dinner, how you would dress for dinner, how you would act at the table. (laughs) What was, I mean, am I wrong on this? Absolutely, perfectly right. (laughs) Okay, and then along come the 60s and this hatred Men. They asked Joyce Carol Oates, who wrote the, uh, the Bell Jar, brilliant author, and they said to her, are you a feminist? She said, why would I belong to any organization that used fear and hate and victimization as its guiding principles? Mm. And she was a self-made woman. And, you know, I mean, nobody's ever answered that to me when I ask people that. So... All of a sudden, women decided that they weren't the most powerful, that the ones who were most powerful were the men, and so we go to war with them, you know, and we <laughs> decide this and this and this. And, we, and as you know, you become what you hate. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you do. You become what you hate. And tell me that we haven't seen the, uh, let me see the problem, masculization of women. And also, oh, yeah. Cons- and totally the feminiz- feminization of men. Yes. There's got to be a balance. <laughs> well, I mean, and that comes from going back to your innate power, which is you're a woman. There's a uh, Camille 
Puskalia was a feminist that I absolutely loved, and she was the most militant of all the feminists because she said, ladies, don't believe Helen Gurley Brown and don't believe Gloria Steinem. The, the men don't have the power. We have the power. And the power, the, the deepest part of our power is our womanhood, is our sexuality, is our, that is our power. Use it, flaunt it. There's nothing wrong with being a woman. That the, yeah. this power that you're giving to thinking that men have the power, it never was, it never existed. And you don't have to be, you know, it all go, I think that all goes back to you have the power inside of you. And it exactly. all comes from love. Exactly. And, and being who you are. And you said it earlier in the show that it was about being, not having. Being. Being authentically you. Being in the moment. Being with the people that you are with. And not judging. Just being. That's right. You know, I mean, I, I, don't, can't, I, I just know that you from your readings and what you said, you know, there is a yin and a yang. There is a hard and a soft. And, you know, if you've read anything about the Tao, it's the soft always overcomes the hard. And people have forgotten yeah. that. They all think that hard is going to overcome hard. But hard just gets resistance and takes you away from your true power. And as you know, when you you're always, dealing with these... Go ahead. You always you know, when get you were dealing with honey. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> right? And we all know what the honey is. <laughs> That's right. And when you were dealing with the kids, screaming and yelling at the kids got you what? Nowhere. <laughs> right. That's right. And nowhere. They right. would get them just in a bad mood. <laughs> yep. And, and, and more resistance and everything else. So, you know, kudos to you. I mean, and, and it, you know, when I talk about this stuff, I'm just like, oh, you know, you're just a male and you don't understand. So I need, when I find women like you who are, see it and you know and, and you know the one <clears throat> when i get out of control and i i get frustrated there's one argument that i always use against real staunch feminists and i say well we had to fight for this and we have to and it's still bad and it's no it's not no no 50 percent of the homes owned in this country are owned by single females you know the 28 percent i think it's now 28 percent of the breadwinners in, uh, it was uh, like 26% of the breadwinners are male. 28% of the breadwinners now are female. Um, you know, I saw all the changes. You know, women fought for their careers, and rightly so. You, you know, nobody should be denied a job, especially if a woman needs that and is a single mother or whatever. And, you know, you definitely deserve it. When I was in sales and I had seven of my, four of my seven reps were females, you know, because I hired on talent, nothing else. So, I mean, I practice mm-hmm. everything I preach. And so all of these things were given. Credit was achieved, the right to own a house, all of the things that didn't exist before. Great. So now what have you got? You got 50% of the houses owned by single women living alone, okay, trying to bring up kids. Okay, is that good for a society? You know, but is never that mind that. Is that good for the children? Is that, right? yeah. is that good for the children? Is that really what we wanted to do? Is that what, you know, we wanted to achieve? So. But the one thing I said, so all of those things were achieved through the voice and the, the solidarity of women getting together. The women got all of that. Okay, now I'm going to ask you, and you must know this. Women in this society, pregnancy leave is three months. Women, it's a known fact, are not taking the three weeks. They're taking, three months rather. They're taking the three weeks. 
they have yeah i don't know how they do that because of fear they run back to the office because somebody might take their job okay now so then here's one here's the the argument that levels all that nobody has an answer for when i tell them your european sisters uh, get three years Ah, yes Mm-hmm. Okay, now how did they get that, and you don't? And then there's just a complete can, surrender. Yeah, instead. Canada gets a year. Yeah. Full pay. So, uh, so, right, so now all you hear is, well, their, their governments did it. Listen, you had a government and you had a society that didn't give you, you know, have careers, or didn't give you equal pay, that didn't give you credit, that didn't give you the right to own a house by yourself, and you got all of that. And what if all of those things materialized? The bottom line with all of those things is money. But for your children, you, what, what do you think would happen tomorrow if that became the battle cry of every woman in this country? If every woman in the country demanded they get the, the year yeah. or three years? Yeah. Oh, boy, would they do it? No, I they, don't have that's a lot of thing. trust in our government. <laughs> oh, oh, I, oh if, if they knew that 50, more than 50% of the population that votes wanted it, do we have the money behind us that they would do it? See, I believe it's all about the money with them. Well, yeah, but but how, wait a minute, wait a minute. Europe is thriving. <laughs> That's true. I'm That's sorry. True. This, see, see, these these become the excuses. I think these are the dialogues that have to be discussed. True, true, true. I I mean, I would really hope they would. I really do. Well, but but. But history has shown us that everything that became an issue was achieved. With 50, over 50% wanting it? Then yeah, it should I mean, when, when, women, when women said, we're, go, we're, going, we're, going into the office, we're going to work and we're going to get our jobs and we're going to get our careers, you're going to hire us, blah, 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 blah. And then it was like, so, okay, now we want equal pay. And some people say, well, and I, I don't know about that, but... It's certainly at parity, a lot closer than it was previously. So that was achieved. Credit was achieved. Home ownership was achieved. Certainly, standards, more raised inside the, the office were totally uh, about sexual harassment. All of those goals were achieved. So why are we not fighting for the, to stay home? Hello? I would love to see that become the battle cry tomorrow. Yeah, I actually, you know, that's very, very interesting you brought that up because I did post something about that not too long ago on my Facebook page. And I had a lot of women come back with, I hope you're not saying that we should stay home. Yeah, there you go. There you go. And right. I was like, oh, yep. no, I just think you should have more time to raise your baby. Yep. Hello? Hello? Yeah, see, again, mm-hmm. where would this a total acceptance that, that is wrong to want to be at home, to want to be free, to want to get up in the morning, you know, not have to, you know, get your kids, be there for your kids, send them off to school, be there when they come home, whatever, whatever. You know, and when you look at, maybe I'm just too, I can put all this together and other people aren't, can't, I don't know. Today, people are living into their 80s and 90s. If you have a family of two to three kids, it'll take you what? from the time they're born till the time they're 10, maybe 10, 12, 13 years to get them out. So we're talking a decade out of eight. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's the problem? 
Yeah. What I I see no problem with it, but there is definitely a lot of resistance. Yep. Uh, maybe they just don't know how to be parents. Maybe yeah. It's uh, yeah. Or, 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 uh, well, it's not. Evidently, it's not glorified. It's something that they can. You know, they can, they can go to a place where they can drop off their kids and let them those people take care of them. Yeah, yeah, and then they get to say, I'm a doctor, I'm a lawyer, I'm a... Right. And right. we have all this stuff. Yeah, and I'm a more important than that person who takes care of my kids. You know, I met a... Um, met a cab driver, well, a limousine driver in New York City when he was about 10 years ago, and he was Muslim, and, and he had come from one of the Arab countries. And I said, well, what do you think of America? And he said, interesting. And he says, you have an interesting society. He says, um, all of the old people get put in homes, and they're shocked that mm. their children will put them in homes. He says, and why should they be shocked? Because when they were born, you put them in a home. How interesting. Now, that is an interesting thing to look at. So he and said, how you, true. And he said, you, when I was born, you said F you to me and put me, had other people bring me up and take care of me. So now when you're old, F you to you. You can go too. <laughs> you can go too. Yeah. You know. How and true these are, is that? I mean, are we talking anything that's not true? No, that I've never looked at it that way. That's uh, quite. That's something to ponder. But I, I, you know, the light bulb goes off with, of course. And you think about how it used to be. We get back to basics. It was a village that raised. That's right. You know, and, the kids. And when I when I grew up, the, the door was always open. Neighbors came in. Extended family came in. Extended family lived with us. Mm-hmm. You know, there were relatives. The door was always open. Food was always being served. Conversation was always happening. You did now, something wrong three blocks away. Your mom knew yep. about it within a yep. few minutes. Exactly. And that person had no problem pointing out to you. You know right. that's not how you're supposed to behave. Exactly. Exactly. You know, I had a recent, recently had a friend who's no longer a friend because he was bringing up, he had never been a parent and he decided at 70 years of age he'd get married and married a younger woman from another country and she brought her son. And with that kid, the kid used to have his head on the table next to the plate and it would be rifling rice into his mouth. And nobody would say anything to him but me. And everybody said, well, you're wrong. It's this kid. <laughs> and I said, I'm sorry. It takes a village to raise a kid. How can, I can't sit there. As a result, I just stopped going to the house because I said, I can't sit there and watch this happen. Yeah. What's this kid yeah. going to be, 30 There's, years old with his head on the table, sh- shoveling rice into his mouth? We have to learn because to be still, people. Yeah, and so, you know, I decided that, you know, but but you're right. There is no sense of ownership that every single kid is, you know, you know, we all have a. If we're going to have a society that's viable and happy and works, then we all have to look out for that. That's why I think you and I, we don't have a. You know, when it really, when you started to listen to talk about the voice and everything else, we both know we really don't have any other choice to, but to do this. We do oh, have yeah. choice, but we're not. We're not going to take them because this is our calling. 
Yeah, it's what makes you tick. It's what, you know, I said, I looked at my husband one day and I said, if I'm going to be sitting here and reading books for fun regarding a child's brain and the brain development, I think that tells me something. (laughs) That must be what I like to do. (laughs) Absolutely. And I loved what you said uh, on something that you posted that, Putting kids, here's another thing that is just blindly accepted, taking a kid at five or six and putting them in school at that point when they're ready, they are clearly not neurologically wired to be optimally wired to learn. Mm. Yes. And that's a stigma right there. Oh, my goodness. You keep your kid home and people are jumping all over you, you know. (laughs) But if they're not ready, they're not ready. Right, right. And so, you know, so it really takes, you know, from everything that you've said today, it really takes, I think, the the way, the only way, you know, we can be a guiding light for women, because it really does have to start with, I mean, you know, hopefully there are guys out there who who um, understand that I certainly did. I was not going to allow my children to be, come home to an empty house. It's not going to happen, mm-hmm. you know. And they were certainly the first five years; they were not going to somebody else to be reared and spend time away. It just wasn't going to happen. <clears throat> so, you know, I lived it. I practice everything that I preach, and as a result, you know, my kids are pretty exceptional kids. They're happy, <laughs> and they are doing what, a what they love to do. Yeah, <laughs> what a concept they are. Happy. So, but I think it really comes down to there's so much that people are blindly, you know, when I see the expressway in the morning here in Boston and I look at all those cars just deadlocked for hours. So they spend two hours on the road before they even get to a place where they spend eight to ten hours and then another two hours. And I say, how do they, how do, they do that? Yeah. Again, that goes back to is this all we got? Like, is that why we're really here? Yeah, I mean, you can't, yeah, you get in the car and then sit in the cubicle and then da-da-da-da-da. But there is hope, <clears throat> excuse me, and I think unlike any other time in history, I mean, when I, uh, one of the things I, I was going to allude to earlier, when I do speak to teachers, and, and, and you can be, back me up on this because you were a teacher and you are a teacher now, uh, the first thing I say to them, before I begin my lecture, I would like to have you show me by hands, fingers, how many great teachers you had in your lifetime and I said I know the answer but I want you to think for a second I don't care if it's a macrame teacher or yoga teacher a ski instructor mathematics science history geography whatever I want you to think stand out how many great teachers you've had and I know there's never more than one hand raised and there's never more than three fingers and usually that's the norm. Three yeah. is the number. And, and once in a while I get a wise guy raises both hands, and I go with t- t- ten fingers, and I just immediately say, uh, you lived in a community with less than 10,000 people and or you went to a private school, and then the hands drop. So I say, don't count. You're an exception. <laughs> Doesn't count. So, right. So then I ask the teachers, what is it that made them great? And I say, I already know the answer. And they think for a little while, and then it always comes to the same thing. They cared. <laughs> And then I say, how oh, do you know they cared? Shocking. <laughs> I said, and then how do you know they cared? And the answer is always the same. 
they listened. And I said, isn't it interesting? Isn't it mm-hmm. interesting that the great teachers, that in a, in, a, in a profession that is supposed to impart wisdom, that is supposed to take wisdom from your head and impart it to the young, to the, the people who don't possess the wisdom, that the characteristic that makes that teacher great is that they listened. And then I said, now, this is the one that horrifies them. I says, okay, imagine somebody, one of your students is in a room 20 years from now, and somebody like me asks these questions. Are you going to be on that hand? And the horror is the silence. <gasps> they look at those fingers, and they know they're not going to be there. Wow. And so, so now, everybody surrenders the power because what you're talking about is empowering people especially the women who are going to get the changes because it's been demonstrated over the last century that the women if the women, the women set their mind to it things happen it's gonna around get done. it's <laughs> going to get done ladies you unlike <laughs> what you believe you have the power Stop thinking that it's the guys that have the power. You have the power. So when the women mm-hmm. get around to it, and everybody, even the teachers, well, what, what can we do? You know, it's the way oh, it I've is. I've noticed so many teachers that just are, you know, they've given up. Yep. What can we do? You know, yep. I go in, I do my job, and I leave. Yep, hello. And I think, again, that's all you got? Come on. That's right. And you're going to put in 20, 30 years at this, and the kids mm-hmm. suffer, and you suffer. I see the suffering. I see it uh, every time I go you, into a classroom. I see the suffering. The yeah. teachers are in pain, and the kids are in pain. When is it going to stop? Yeah. When you know, is now, enough enough? Now, there is hope. <laughs> because There's always I just, hope. Exactly, and I saw a, a, um, a lecture by a, an Indian, who, a theoretical physicist, who left theoretical physics to become an educator, and he started doing all these studies, and he found out that the best, uh, best schools were the ones with the best teachers, hello, hello, in India, and that they were always in the cities or areas close to the city, because teachers wanted to live a good life, and the best teachers got the best jobs and wanted to live with all the amenities of living in an urban environment and that the schools that suffered were in the outlying. So then the, the <laughs> Indian government said, well, we'll fix this. We'll educate those, um, those teachers in the hinterlands. And instead, those, when they got smart, they all moved to the city. <laughs> <laughs> so this one guy, uh, I forget his name, but it's, it's a pretty popular, uh, Ted talk, et cetera. He decided to, um, take a computer and dump it in the middle of New Delhi and make it like an ATM where the kids could go in. It was obviously built for children. And he set it up, and the kids in the neighborhood said, well, what is it? And he said, I don't know. I don't know what it is. And immediately the kids went in, and they couldn't speak English. But he says, and eight hours later he came back, the kids had learned enough English to surf the Internet and download a game and were playing it. And he said, oh, Look I might have that. Yeah, so somebody came along and said, oh, somebody must have come by and shown him that. So he said, okay. So he took it out into the woods, you know, into the hinterlands and the countryside where there was nobody computer literate, nobody. And he did the same thing, same effect. 
eight hours later, da 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 da. So then he went to the kids and said, "Gee, I would like to find out uh, what water's made of. What is water made of?" And he'd come back in a few hours, and the kids would tell him, "Well, it's H two O." And because they would go and they would find it, and he saw that what was happening. He says he started to realize that that they were, and I forget the criteria used, but he called it a 30% efficiency, learning efficiency, without a teacher there and just a computer. So he decided then that he would ask, he even asked them about quantum physics and gave them problems to 12-year-olds. And these kids were coming back, they would struggle and struggle. But the thing is he found out they never gave up. And even though they weren't mastering it, they were learning stages of it, which would lead later to them really comprehending it. So he decided then that why not see what would happen if he brought an adult into the situation who knew nothing about computers but only what he called the grandmother effect, encouraged the kids and said, why aren't you kids smart? Aren't you wonderful? Aren't you brilliant? Oh, look at what you did. Oh, isn't that wonderful? And he got another 20% increase in the coefficient of whatever it was of learning so these kids were learning at rates far in excess of what was happening in a normal classroom and the reason I was going to say yeah the kids are not competing with each other they're helping each other they're helping each other they all saw and this five or, six, five or seven what a concept five or six what kids around the computer helping each other learn about the computer and put, he says, gone are the days where you have to store all of this data in your head. It's, it, we all know. You can solve any argument today. Go, let me Google it. We'll settle this. Yeah. Because the facts yep. are there. And so... Everything's right there. And when we work together... Everything is right there. And he says, so what do we still have in the classrooms? Better. What we have in a classroom today is what existed in the offices and in the factories and I think people sitting by themselves in rows whether it's cubicles and or sewing machines or whatever producing things in solitary mode and he says mm-hmm. and how are our classrooms and our test rooms we present problems to kids and we set them in this testing room where they're all supposed to solve it by themselves and we give them grades and the grades are competitive blah 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 and he says, and yet nothing with any company that has any worth at all or is that a, a progressive company that's changing society, does it work that way? They all work in teams, and they all use they all computers. And, and then and, these and, and, children get into these working environments. They don't know how to work in teams. Right, right. And so the they've never been taught that. Right. The corporations have figured out that it's more efficient. But the mm, educational yeah. system is light years behind. <laughs> so, but, so there is hope because my daughter called me and she said, what do I do? I got this great kid who's free. He's, he's going to a, you know, a preschool where there's, they're in the woods most of the day and they're you know, creating things and they're doing la-da-da-da-da and there's no media. And what do I do? I said, don't, don't send him. Do not send him to a school. Mm. Home educate him. Do not put him in that jail. Yeah. Oh, it's so so interesting you brought that up because uh, there's a girl on YouTube, Josie Outlaw. Have you heard of her? No. She has uh, a very, very interesting YouTube video that describes the difference between or lack of the institution, school, 
and prison. Mm-hmm. And I had to watch that about three or four times and then pick my jaw up off the floor at how similar oh, yeah. they are. It is jail. It is jail. Yeah. Yeah. And it just, like, I never thought about it that way before. And I just watched that going, oh, my gosh. Well, no wonder this is happening, and no wonder that's happening. No wonder you're getting these behaviors and that behavior. And I don't know about in Boston. I know down here um, the homeschooling environment is just exploding right now. Everybody, it seems, I meet it's a new person putting their children through homeschool. Great. So that's a well, big thing is, down it, here. It, well, it is an answer because the other, other thing is so corrupt and outdated and obsolete and bureaucratic and cumbersome and non-creative. It's just amazing that, well, what have you got? You've got students who went to school their whole lives and then go into, stay in the school. They never graduate. They, They got degrees, and then they just become part of the incestuous whole system. You know, I was a student, now I'm a teacher. Yeah. And it, all so comes down to a, and it all comes down to the grade, doesn't it? It doesn't really come down to what you know when you leave here. It all comes down to the grade. And I have the power the to give you the grade. I have the power to tell you what you did wrong. Yes, and here, if, you, if your children do not get the grade, you don't get paid. Yes, exactly. So it's all about the so mark. It's, it's not about what they really retain, not really what molds or shape the student, what, how they're able to solve problems, how they're able to adjust, how they can, you know, deal with, you know, society and adversity and overcome problems and, and you know, become real, really develop their character. Forget it. So what that piece of paper said, oh, they passed, and everybody's happy. Oh, my kid, you know, passed the, the, the you know, the, the core exam and, Ugh. So yeah. you, now you, you are obviously how your clients, who are they, why do they come to you, what do you see that you do that changes it? My clients right now are mostly, I, well, two different things. Either they're parents that need to, that are looking for a different way to teach their children, um, and I bring that curriculum in. A lot of parents are saying, these kids don't come with a handbook. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. <laughs> so I have, uh, I have those people that, are, that I'm working with. And um, I also have a few daycares and in-home daycares that I am a consultant for where I will go in and help them organize how they teach their curriculum, and uh, again, they want it. They want to do things differently. They don't. They they don't want to follow the norm anymore. So, you know, the way I get out there is just speaking and spreading my message, and um, people are, are mess- coming. Where do you get the Where do you get the audiences to speak to? What What kind of audiences? Either moms, a lot of moms groups, uh, some church groups, and then there's also conferences. So for family daycare, there's conferences, early childhood conferences. Um, those are my, that's kind of my target target audience. I mean, I'll go speak anywhere because apparently I, I really like to do it. <laughs> so it was actually one of my 
my biggest fears that I overcame in January, and ever since then, forget it. You can't shut me up. <laughs> well, you know, uh, there's an underlying thing here. I, uh, you know, as, as as I matured and and continue to mature, and then you look back. Steve, have you ever seen Steve Jobs' uh, address to Stanford University commencement address? No, I haven't. It's brilliant. It is absolutely brilliant. And he talks about these dots that you go through in your life that you don't understand why you're doing what you're doing at the time. But later on, that dot connects with another dot. And as you look back and you go, oh, that's why that happened. For example, Mm -hmm. he went to a college that taught uh, calligraphy. Excuse me. And he loved uh, calligraphy. And he took every calligraphy class he could. And he says if he had not, when he built the uh, word processing aspect of Apple computers if he had not taken those courses then there would not be a choice of fonts there wouldn't even be the Mm. choice of fonts in PCs because Bill Gates who ripped off um, Steve Jobs' operating system the fonts were already on there so the reason that we have choice of fonts is because Steve Jobs took a calligraphy class how funny and he said that that only came back to him when we look at it, so what you know, the the knowledge that I have, and it's not a belief or a theory or anything. It's the knowledge. What I've learned is, we all start in life, and we're all distracted, and we all go in, in this direction of accepting what the school say or the company say or society says, and we all kind of drift off from what our real purpose is. But somehow we get back to it. It always comes back somehow. For me, it was my son, you know, right in front of me. And I went, wow, can't do what I've always done with this one. Okay. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think it all all comes back around. Each one of us. And that thing, that reason that we came here, now a lot of people miss it, and a lot of people ignore it, a lot of people don't trust it. They know that there's a gnawing, you know, I mean, I always try to tell people about. To me, it took me 66 years to find the book, but I finally did. The one that answered it all was called The War of Art by Stephen Pressling, and he was the guy who wrote The Legend of Bag of Ants. And he basically said, look, there's, this, there's two lives, two lives we have, the one we're living and the one we want to live. <laughs> the only thing keeping you from the one you want to live is a thing called resistance. And he says, and I don't care whether you call it lethargy, laziness, whether you call it alcoholism, whether you call it uh, depression, whether you call it disease, whatever, it's all lumped under one thing, the thing that tries to keep you from what you really are. And he says there's only one way to go to war with it, and is that a get up and every single day, every chance you get, do the thing that you love to do, the passion, the thing, connect with it, do it, do it, do it. And there is a thing called the muse. Now, it has many different names, and everybody gives it a different name. But there is a spirit aspect to us all. And it's there. And it is that voice. If we call it the voice or whatever, it is there. And if you knock on the door every day, it hears you and says, oh, why? You're listening. You're receptive. You're asking me questions. <laughs> Let me give you some answers. Yeah. And then it tells you, yeah. you're not supposed to be doing this. You're not supposed to be jumping in a car every day and spending a couple of hours away from your kids, getting there, a couple of hours getting back, and then spending eight hours being miserable. No, 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 no. Wake up. You're an artist or you're 
a teacher or you're a nurse or you're a whatever. Whatever it is. And, you know, a lot of this spirituality, um, you mentioned the law of attraction earlier in the show. Uh, there's so many people that don't know any of that. Right. And especially, I've noticed, I didn't know any of that two years ago, and especially in the teaching profession, oh. they don't they don't have any oh. idea. Nope. Nope. It's, so, it's a component. I mean, that's another thing I want to bring up and start teaching parents. I mean, I hear people say, well, the baby knows. You know, if mom's upset, the baby can feel it. They're, they get it but they're not really getting that it's the energy that they're feeling. Exactly. And that you can just change that. The biggest part of us is invisible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, not this, it's not this flesh and bones. <laughs> no, if yeah. It, if it was... It's so much more than that. <laughs> you know, is it, why, why, is, why is one person, if it's in a contest or a sport, why is one usually more victorious? You know, it isn't just the physical. It's that spirit. You see it. And you go, how, how can they do what they're doing? It's that spirit that we all have that moves us past it. You know, I said something to, there's a woman who has this most beautiful gardens around a restaurant, and I kept wanting to stop and ask her. I, I I'm a gardener myself, and I stole so many ideas from her. I went, oh, look at that combination. Oh, i got to get that business. And so I, she was my, my hero, and I wanted to meet her. And one day I was walking by, and there she was doing Christmas ornaments with greens and things, and just brilliant what she was doing. And I said, are you the one that does it? And she goes, yes. And she explained, I said, oh, are you a gardener? Are you a landscaper? Do you do she says, no, I'm a waitress here. I said, a waitress? Oh. And I said, and you're doing this kind of work, which, oh, yeah, I love it. <clears throat> and I said, excuse me, I said, is there any way you can not, not do this? And she said, no. <laughs> I, just I have, have to. to do it. I have mm-hmm. to do it. <clears throat> and I had never heard, you know, I don't know why I asked the question the way I did, but you see, that's the thing, if you want to say to everybody, every hopefully mother or woman or even if the fathers are listening, that's the part, that's the voice, that's the thing, to pay attention to what you love, your passion that you'll get up and do automatically. And then I step back from yourself and ask yourself, why do you want to do, what, can you really live a happy, fulfilled life and shut that down and not ever do it again? And I'm seeing so many shifts in people that are starting to do what they are so passionate about. Because the first response is, yeah, but I can't make money doing that. Yep, there you go. How do you know you can't make money doing that? That's right. Because if you love to do it, how do you know there aren't other people that want to learn how to do it or need it done for them? That's right. That's right. So, and, and, again, it's the fear and it's the unknown. How do you think? So how do the other people get to do it? How did Stephen Jobs get to do it? Exactly. You know, he did. How, he how, had how, to Yeah. And, and, and he wouldn't he quit. He did it. He leaped. He jumped. Yes. That's right. And, and then, you know? again, what kind of example are you setting for your kids? Oh, I brought you into the world so you can live like me. Hello? Like me. Yeah. <laughs> You know, yeah, here mommy, she I is, think, busted, that I, I don't poor lady think, is busting her butt in a waitress, you know, which I'm sure is, is fine, but 
if she's doing, you know, this wonderful, beautiful work that you're walking by going, oh, my gosh, you know, there's right. got to be tons of people. I mean, I can't even grow a bamboo, so I need a gardener. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to have exactly. my own garden, grow my own vegetables, but when you kill a bamboo, I mean, I even talked to it, I gave it love, I don't know. <laughs> I think so you can you, make money doing anything. Exactly. As long so as you if you it. if you were to meet some person you see struggling and living this life far from the potential that that person has, you know, what do you say to what do you how do you wake them up? Well, first of all, what was was there a book that woke you up? There no, there really wasn't. It was your son. Um, it was it was mostly my son. I guess there was a couple of different things. My son came along, um, and he was very different. I, he came home from the hospital. I went, what the heck is wrong with this kid? He's broken. Um, I knew right from the, the moment he came home there was something different. And yep. I started doing self-development. I started surrounding myself with positive people that were doing what they loved to do and making money doing it. And I thought, why can't I do that? Isn't that beautiful? I think I'm going to. <laughs> beautiful. Well, you're right. We are we are the shining examples. We are the ones who are being the trailblazers, the ones who are the pioneers, the ones who go off into the wilderness. You know, we may not be the Lewis and Clarks. I mean, they were. But we are the ones, the second wave that's falling through. A lot of people have done it before us. And we're hoping that, you know, by doing it and by staying, st- you know, sticking to our guns and feeling the joy every day and watching the miracles, and I, and I will defend that they are truly miracles. You know, mm-hmm. Alan Watts, who was a great philosopher, um, and I was fortunate enough to find him in my 20s and then recently find him through the miracle of YouTube. I mean, most of his lectures are on there. And uh, he said, you know, Everybody is, you know, the new religion is science and blah, blah, blah. And he said, and science obviously is <clears throat> is brilliant, even though science itself, the principles of science change every 10 to 20 years. And what was oh, yeah. supposedly science at one time, it changes. <clears throat> but he says the one thing that science cannot teach you and cannot explain is a transcendental experience, you know, a transformational mm. experience. And obviously you had that with your son, right? I did. I did. I just knew that. And as I, as I met other people that were living their life differently, I lived, you know, I grew up with this one vision of life, and it was, this, it was a box, and I didn't step outside of the box. You start hanging around people that step out of the box, and you say, wait a minute, I can do that. That's right. So surround yourself with people that, that are, are like that and passionate. Right and and yeah and and guess what this if you make this choice it is not going to be easy. No. But if it were easy, everybody'd be doing it. That's right. And so you've That's got to right. have the convi- you've got to have the conviction and the the character and the ability to to slug it out and not to fall back. And you have to go to war with the resistance. Yeah. And you have, to, you have to get up every day and do. A lot of people that were in my life before are not in my life now. Exactly. You know, it's, they've fallen away, and maybe sometime they'll come back. 
and no. maybe they won't. <laughs> no, they won't. <laughs> <clears throat> no, they, and, and that's one of the, you know, the expanding of consciousness as you start to understand is like, you, but you were the one who changed the movie. Yeah. Yep. I made the change. I changed the movie. I changed the pattern for my kids. I'm teaching them differently than I was taught. I'm sure I'll make mistakes because we all do. Right. But you've seen the, the effect immediately that they are happy. Mm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. In that, <laughs> what a concept. In that bond, that gift that you've given them will will carry you and them and make your connection stronger and better throughout all of their lives. Yeah, yeah. I believe so. I believe so. Great. Well, I, I can't tell you how thrilled that we were to do this and that, to me, this whole miracle of, um, of, of blog talk radio and the Internet and computers and everything else that enables us to make friends with people that are thousands of miles away. It's it, amazing. It's incredible. It's it incredible. Really and you I get think those like-minded people together, and uh, it really is amazing. Yeah, and that we can connect, and, and I know we'll be friends, and I know that this is part of the the evolution that, you know, you all of a sudden pop into my re, my reality, and uh, and my my uh, my pop into your reality, and yeah. uh, and we can one by one, you know, the movement starts, and you can get the message out, and I'm, you know, I hope some of the things I said today about the facts, you know, that gee, isn't it interesting that when women decided they want to go have careers, that they wanted to have equal pay or close to equal pay, that they wanted to have credit, that they want to have the ability to own a home, that they wanted to set what the mores would be inside a corporation to determine what was sexual. All of those things came to pass. Yet, the one that could be the most powerful one of all for our society, this thing about being able to stay home with your kids and get paid for it, and nurture and grow them, nobody's making that a priority. And maybe it should be. That's right. And yeah. believe me, yeah. believe me, if when women decide that that will become the issue, it will happen. I love it. All right, <laughs> ladies, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I've got a perfect song to close out the show. It's by a gal named Joni Leeds, and I absolutely love it. And I think it says everything that we're trying to do here. It's called Bandwagon. And we're going to close out with this. I can't thank everybody who stayed with us long as long as you have. Michelle, let's do it again, all right? I would love it. Thank you so much for having me. You're a great guest, and I'd love to guest host the show with me sometime. I would love to, anytime. Okay, and everybody, just get up on that bandwagon. Tom Hayes, Block Talk Radio. <laughs> Beantown Pals, use your bean, trust your heart, build your character, and have a beautiful Tuesday. Thank you. <laughs> one, two, one, two, three. Get up, get on the bandwagon, just get up, get up on it. Get up, get on the bandwagon, just get up, get up on it. Get up, get on the bandwagon, get up, get on the bandwagon, get up, get on the bandwagon. Get up on it. Well, I brought my voice today. Get up, get up on it. Well, I'm gonna make some noise if 
day. Get up, get up on it. Get up, get on the bandwagon. Just get up, get up on it. Get up, get on the bandwagon, just get up, get up on it. Get up, get on the bandwagon, get up, get on the bandwagon, get up, get on the bandwagon, just get up, get up on it. I brought my banjo today just to get up, get up on it. I can begin strumming all day just to get up, get up on it.